0: Good morning, everybody. How are we? I'm not going to ask you if you are cold. I know you are cold, so... (laughs) Well... In Lagos, you can't win. Today, you complain about the cold. Tomorrow, when the sun comes out, you start crying. How are you today? Uh, I want to thank God for all that he has been doing Particularly for how he was with us throughout yesterday. We spent a lot of time here yesterday. We we finished at around I think four thirty to five. Yeah, we started at around past nine. That's a lot of hours to be teaching. So, Pastor Femi was here saying it was a summary, and someone was saying summary. It's a summary (laughs) to be able to cover all that we did in one hour. It's quite a feat. But the reason why we organize this program, Be Fruitful, I think I said it yesterday, and I'm going to say it again today, is because it has come to my attention that there is a lack of ownership among young Christians when it comes to the state of their relationship with God. I called it a lack of what? Ownership. You know, it's easy for us to take ownership over our jobs, over our families, over the relationships in our lives. So, except you're an irresponsible father or mother, if something happens to your child under your watch, it's only an irresponsible parent that says, hey, it wasn't my fault, right? Because naturally, people will ask you, like, were you not there? If you're in the kitchen with your baby, one or two, and your child is crawling into the kitchen and going close to the knives, and you are there, and you see the child going close to the knives, and you don't pick up the child, and the child has a cut on the hand, whose fault is it? And every parent, responsible parent, who take ownership, you take ownership of things at your office or at your workplace, because you have to take ownership. Some people take ownership because they are responsible, other people take ownership because their salary is based on it. So like whether you feel responsible or not, even the things that are not your fault, you probably will say sorry to your boss just for peace. But when it comes to spiritual life and our growth and our relationship with God, I've had too many encounters with people who always have someone else to blame. They blame the church as the local assembly. They can blame their pastor, they can blame people in their lives, and I'm not saying that in all these stories that I have heard, and maybe you have heard, maybe you have a story like that yourself, I'm not saying that these external elements do not have some blame. It's quite possible. I've heard some really gut-wrenching emotional stories that I will will look at the situation and say, maybe the church should have done better. Maybe the pastor should have done better. Maybe this person could have done better or that person could have done better. But you see, it's never one-sided alone. And most people never say, this is what I did wrong. Or this is how my work with God deteriorated to this state. This is the role that I played that brought me to this point where me and God are not the way we used to be. Maybe you started as a fervent Christian, and right now you're just a churchgoer. Maybe something happened along the way, truly, that made you disillusioned. And I've heard a lot of stories like that. And when people ask you, you are quick to quote that story, but you never look inward and say, okay, so what could I have done better? And that's why we organized this program. And this is the reason why we went through a lot of the rudiments of faith, a lot of the foundational doctrines of what it means to be a Christian. And we spent so much time talking yesterday. And when I'm I'm here today, I'm I'm not here to talk too much. The title of my message today is to crown everything that we said yesterday. And the title of my message today is Grow Up. Can you tell someone beside you, grow up? Grow up, I'm serious. Please say it loud. Look the person in the face and say grow up. Grow up. You have to grow up. Can we open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5? I'm going to be reading from verse 10 to verse 14. It says, and I read, I'm sorry I'm not waiting for you, but you can look on the screen if you're not there yet. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of what of hearing, for when for the time ye are to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat, for every one that useth milk is unskilful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and what, and evil. I don't know how you read your Bible, but one thing I've come to find out is that I don't think I've read any, I read a lot of novels, I, read a, I used to read a lot of self-help books when I was younger and I stopped But I still remember the content of many of those books. And I still read a lot of novels. There is no book that I have read that has the ability to throw as much shade as the Bible. And the Bible wants to throw shade at you. Or a particular character. I don't know how you read your Bible. You you know Jesus threw a lot of shade. It just depends on the audience. And no, no book I've read throws the amount of shade that the Bible throws, when he wants to get you to a position where he wants you to wake up, the author starts to say some things. And that's what's happening here. So the author of Hebrews was talking about a man called Melchizedek who existed long ago in the book of Genesis. The Bible tells us about him and tells us that Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. And after Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek, essentially, that's when the doors began to open for Abraham's life. And because Melchizedek existed before Abraham, before the Levites, rather, which were a seed from Abraham, because Abraham gave birth to Isaac, Isaac gave birth to Jacob. Jacob gave birth to 12 sons. One of those sons was a man called Levi. And God picked the priesthood of Israel from Levi. So the writer of Hebrews is telling us that by the law, the only people that can be priests were Levites. But how come Melchizedek was a priest before Levi was? Because if he was not a priest, Abraham would not pay tithe to him. But the Bible recognized him as a what? A priest and a king. And the writer was making a comparison between Jesus also being a priest and a king and Melchizedek being a priest and a king. And then the writer now pauses and says, There's a lot that we have to say on this matter, but you people are dull of what? Of hearing. He's trying to say, there's a lot I can say about this thing, but you people will not understand. In chapter 7, he still ended up talking about it a bit. For example, you people will not understand. And he told them the reason why they will not understand. He told them that at the stage that they were, they should understand. But they had a problem. And the problem is that they had refused to grow. It says that you people at this point, and we don't know who the audience is, we know they are Hebrews, but we don't know the particular church. But he's saying at this point that you are in, you are supposed to be teaching other people. But somehow you still have need that we should be teaching you. And that's the reason why you can't understand what I am saying to you. Because you still have need for me to be teaching you the basic principles. Yesterday when Pastor Femi was speaking, he spoke about how he used the analogy of a child to describe what believers need. And he used the word of God as what? As milk, right? And here we look at it again as milk. But we see another comparison here of the word of God as what? As meat. Strong what meat. A question for you. In this Bible, is there any section that is called the milk section and another section called the meat section? So essentially, what that tells you is that this word has the potential to be both depending on how you approach it. It's the same word, it doesn't change. But you see, for some people, they are consuming it as what? As milk. And for some other people, they are consuming it as what? As meat. The difference is in the approach, not in the word itself. Because there's no milk section. There's no meat section in this Bible. It's the same Bible. And that's what the writer is saying here. He's saying that some people, because of the way they've approached the word, the word is meat to them. But for these people, they've stayed too long at the milk stage. That's what he's accusing them of. At this point, this word should become meat to you, but you are still at the milk stage. And he said that the proof that they are at the milk stage is that they are unskillful in the word of what? Of righteousness. So what does he mean? Like Unskillful in the word of righteousness, what does that mean? Is there any like, is there a skill to read the word of God? Is that what he's saying? No. Because he gives you the answer when he talks about meat. And he said, But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age. And this is the part. Even those who, by reason of what? Of use. Have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What you should underline there is, by reason of what? Use. 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 So what that means that the difference between those that are babies and those that are mature is not how much of the Word of God you actually read. It is not how, how many memory verses you can quote. It is not how long you spend in prayer. It is not how many cho- times you come to church in the week or the weight of your religious activity. It has nothing to do with that. The measurement of your spiritual growth is how much of the Word of God you use. How much of the word of God do you what? You use. You have to use it. You have to what? Use it. Can we open our Bibles to Isaiah 43, verse 26? Isaiah 43, 26. It says what? Remembrance, let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. I'll give you some context to this. This is God speaking to the new generation of Israelites, talking to them about how their fathers had disappointed him, but telling them that even they they had not begun to actually please him. So he told them before this, he said, you have have not seen your incense before me, I have not seen your sacrifice before me. I have not seen this. I have not seen that. And he gets to verse 26. And he's telling them, when you do these things, put me in remembrance. Let us plead. And that verse is, let us reason together. Declare thou that thou mayest be what? Justified. God knows his word, but he wants you to take it to him. That's what it means to use the word of God. You need to be able to take all the things that you are hearing and you come to church every single Sunday, and whether it's here or somewhere else, you go every Sunday, and every Sunday you hear something new from the Word of God. How much of it have you actually used? Because the truth is, it's the one that you you have seen work that helps you to grow. If not, you remain where you are. Read it from now to tomorrow. You have to use it. The Bible says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. How much of the enemy's power can you see in your life you have actually overcome? How many times have you taken it to the devil? As a Christian, you're not supposed to be on the defensive. You know what it means to be on the defensive? In almost every sport that I know in this life, almost everything that involves contest, there's a philosophy that offense is the best form of defense. Who well, has said that before? And it's a very simple but true concept in that if all you do is you keep waiting in your shell, in your space, and all you do is you keep what, defending against attacks, defending against attacks, and you don't take it to the attackers, they would overwhelm you. Check any, if you watch any movies about war, it's the same principle. It doesn't work that way. You can't just stay in your shell in your corner, just be waiting for, to be rebuting attacks, rebuting attacks. That's not how it works. Since I've given you authority, have you used it? And there are four areas, of, or three areas rather, but one of them is divided into two that I want to speak to us about today where you must use this sort authority. Three major areas of life. The first is you have to take authority over relationships. Over what? Relationships. You have to take authority over sickness. And you have to take authority over situations of life. This relationship, one, is really a burden on my heart because there are so many things that God tells us about who we are to him. And I think because we do not realize how much God values us as Christians, we allow some things to take us for granted. Psalm 17 verse 8 tells us about how we are the apple of God's eyes. Do you know what it means to be the apple of God's eyes? Isaiah 49, 16 says that we are written in the palm of God's hands. It means that your matter eh, is with God. God cares more about you than your parents or your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, whatever relationship you have, he cares about you more than every one of those people. Your matter is on his mind. I to open to Isaiah 62. I want to read something else. Isaiah 62. I just, just want to read verse 1, but you can t- write down verse 1 to 6 and take it home and read it. It says, For Zion's sake I will not what? Hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake I will not what? Rest. Until the righteousness therefore go forth as brightness. And the salvation is a, as a lamp that burneth. I'm sorry, who is Zion and Jerusalem? It's you. It's you. He it says, because of you and me, and you have to personalize it, God will not hold his, word, his peace and he will not rest. And God is not just resting on your matter. And even if you've never seen this scripture before, or you've known it all your life, it doesn't matter. So, for example, if I've known this scripture all my life, and you you are just hearing it for the first time today, if you use it and I don't use it, you are better than me. You've matured past what? Me. It's not pastor, teacher. It's not, this maturity is not a title thing. It's a very practical thing. And that is what you have put God on the line and see God stand up for you. Something happens to you that changes you forever. And many of us are still living Christian lives that are just ordinary. We are coming to church, and that's because we've not taken the word and put it on the line. And we're naive. What do I mean by we're naive? At your office, sometimes in your family, those that are not Christians, what you don't realize is that many people are carrying spirits of their own. You, you say you have God inside you, and Jesus is inside you. And somebody in your office is trying to stress you and bully you. And that person is not a believer. The person is going to church and the person is forming their Christians. And the person is trying to stress your destiny. And you are going through stress and you are complaining and you are complaining. And you have not woken up one day and mention the person's name to God and say, this person, God, is disturbing me. And you are living your life in timidity. And you are naive. The reason you are naive is because you are looking at that person with ordinary eyes. Because this world is first spiritual before it's physical. You have God living inside you. And someone does not have God living inside them, but something is living inside them. But you, you don't know. I've had situations in my life where I had to deal with some people. I literally wake up in the morning angry. That's rich here. I just woke up angry. In my first day of masters, I had a lecturer like that. He taught us law and he was stressing me. was stressing me and stressing my class as a result. I know it was just building up, up to year, up to year, And one morning, I just woke up, and I just stood up. And I left my bed, and I just walked around to pray. and I, Because I'm the class rep, so I know his full name. And I mentioned his full name to God. And I said, God, this one is not going to stress me. I started to quote scriptures, and I said, this is why it won't stress me. The man changed. From that moment, the man changed. And we had peace till I finished. I can give you countless examples. As a Christian, you should not be able to be bullied, though. Nobody should be able to bully you. The Bible talks about Peter and John. They were not educated. They were fishermen. They didn't go to school. And the had those were the what? The top class. When it comes to Jewish education, nobody was educated more than them. Which is why Paul was able to write 13 books of this book that we call the Bible. Why? Because he was a member of the Sanhedrin. When he doesn't have time to write, he'll get a copywriter. When he has time to write, he'll write and at the end of the letter, you say, this letter was penned by my own hands. Just to show you, I wrote it myself. How many did Peter, Peter, did he pen by his own hands? No. He had someone pen for him. He wasn't educated. And I'm not saying this to diminish him. I'm saying this to prove a point. That when they stood before the council in the book of Acts, the first thing that the men noticed was that these men were not educated. Because obviously the way they will be making their points is very different from those who are learned. But simultaneously they said these men, the boldness in which they are speaking, definitely they have been with Jesus. Definitely. They have been with who? Jesus. And that is who we are. You have to take advantage and take authority over the relationships in your life. I don't care what the relationship might be. It might be parental. You have to take advantage, uh, authority over it. Especially when the person's spirit is not aligned with yours. Like the person is unsaved. It doesn't matter if the person is going to church. But the person does not believe what you believe and the person is actively negating what God wants to do in your life, and you're keeping quiet, and you're saying, no, I'm suffering. (sighs) You're a baby. You're a what? a baby. And nobody is going to come and force you to grow up. It's this word, you putting it before God, that will make you grow up. You have to have testimonies. Of things that you have done and prayers that you have laid before God and things that you have said to people that made them take a step back, not because you are trying to be rude or anything, because you are just telling them the fact. I say, with utmost boldness, wherever I go, let people complain, do anything, you know, this is, oh, don't do this or this. I say, nothing can happen to me. Even if someone comes to tell me, I'm going to throw an arrow at you. I say, go and throw it. You'll be the one to come and beg me. Try it. You can't do anything to me. I know what I carry. It's not because I'm a pastor I carry it. No. It starts from this. Because when I'm going back to God. I'm not going back to God and say, Lord, I'm a pastor. No. Pass what? No. It's the word. God, this is what you what, what you said. And it's not going the way you said it. Why? You have to take authority over relationships in your life. The second thing you have to do is take authority over sickness. Over what? Sickness. And bodily harm. I give people an example here a lot, and it's a very funny example. When I give it, people always laugh. I think is like the third or fourth time I'm giving you this example. If I say it now, you might laugh again. But I'm being very serious. And the example is simple. Let's say you go out to preach random evangelism on a Saturday and you go out and you meet someone and as you're talking to the person and it's like in public space, so you're talking to the person, Jesus loves you, this, that, this, that. The person just slumps and falls on the ground. And you're there standing and crowd gather. What are you going to do? You don't have to run away. I can't run. You're trapped. they are trapped. You have only one option. You have to tell the person to rise up in Jesus' name. That's the only option you have. And I'm telling you something. And I've said it before and I'll say it again if you say that person should rise up in Jesus' name and you start to pray, even if your faith does not carry it, it's because you're outside and people are watching you and you are mentioning his name, that person will stand up. He has nothing to do with you. It has to do with Jesus. Why? Because if that person does not stand up, that day, some people will go away and say that's how these Christians are. They don't have any power. There's nothing they can do. I was outside, to, the way the news was spread. Someone just say, I have Jesus too. So that's how I was outside, I was just walking. That's how I saw one guy, just, one guy was just on the ground. The one guy was just saying, the name of Jesus, stand up, in the name of Jesus, stand up, and nothing happened. I laughed eh? at these Christians. They're just deceiving everybody, and when it's time for you to show the real thing, nothing happened. You know, some people will say that Jesus does not allow his name to be dragged in the mud. That person will stand up, it won't be because of you. It will be because of who? Him. And that's what we don't understand. We don't put him on the line. God does things first for himself. If you have someone in your family, the person is not feeling fine, and the person is saying, oh, surgery, this, surgery, that. The first thing we Christians think about is medicine. That's to fight my wife because of this thing. Because I'm not a doctor. First thing I think about a prayer. First thing should think about a medicine. So it's always fight. Cause there is what power. But if you do not put the word of God on the line, nothing will happen, and you will not grow. When we talk about testimonies, a lot of people they are thinking testimonies is limited to oh, I bought a new this, I bought a new that. It's not that. testimonies in my life every day. And there might not be testimonies to you. But most of my testimonies are, oh, I used the word and it worked. And that's how you grow. And that's how your faith increases. You see, all of us, the Bible says that we all have a measure of faith. Our faith is not the same. But no matter where you start from, your faith can become very strong. But it's based on how you use the word of God. If you don't, it's not going to be strong. And the people that you call elders or fathers in the faith that you respect so much, the reason why God took them to that height is because through what use, through what use, they have grown. And that tells me a story. Often, and he has said a lot, and he told me again yesterday, but how he was on his way on a mission trip. And he got to a place, and he got on a river. I mean, he got on the Atlantic, and they were about to cross. And because the boats that usually takes them, the official boat had gone, so they missed it, and they needed to get to their host's place. And so there are usually all these rickety side boats. And so he and his partner, his assistant, entered that boat, and they started going. And in the middle of the ocean, the boat stopped. And the person that was driving the boat has just one hand. Wahala. And they were just in the middle here. Look back, water. Look front, water. Side, water. And the next thing, he said that his assistant was already saying, we should have told our people where we are going or before. And then he said he told his assistant to keep quiet. Why did he tell him to keep quiet? Words are what? Powerful. He doesn't want anything to get in the way of what God wants to do. He told him to keep quiet. And he started to speak to God. And that boat came back on and they crossed. So I'm sorry. He has had the experience. You have not had it yet. If two of you want to talk about how God can save someone from danger, whose faith do you think is stronger in two of you? Whose on? His own. Why? It's not because he's daddy. It's because he has experienced it. He has put the word on the line. And he has seen God move in that area. That's how you grow. There's no magic to it. If you've not put the word on the line and put God on the line with situations of your life, then you're just you're floundering. And Christians, it's it's this routine is just so marvelous. See, it's Sunday now. So many people are in church today and they're going to be in church next week, Sunday. they going to be in church, upper Sunday. Like that, like that, like that. And many people have spent years in the church and they are still babies. Spent years in the church and if in the night their child, their one-year-old, two-year-old is not feeling fine or just develops temperature, they'll pick up the phone and start calling pastor. What? I won't pick up. It's true. This is for you people that are here. Pray. I won't pick. Because I don't expect that you are still at that level. Because you're supposed to be eating meat. Can cannot pray for your own baby. I born the baby for you. Or their spouse gets ill and they cannot lay their hands and talk to God and believe that something will happen. What are we doing as Christians? This is how we grow. I have to grow up. I have to grow up. And it cuts across every era of your life. Some people till tomorrow, they cannot tell when God is the one that is speaking to them. And when it's just their mind. Or when we are hearing the voice of the devil. And people ask me this question a lot. How do you get past that? You experience. And in that experience, you will make mistakes. Don't be afraid to fail. As I was growing up in the faith, there are a lot of times in my life that I thought it was God and I found out later it wasn't God. It's part of the experience. But if you are afraid to hear his voice, and take a step, and make a mistake, you never grow. Even Samuel had to wait how many times before he was sure that God was the one speaking to him. Because he had never heard his voice before. And it wasn't even him that figured it out. It was Eli. What are we saying? i said it before that these days, if I'm inside, and someone is coming down the stairs, I know the person that's coming down the stairs. You may have a similar experience in wherever you are. With the people that you are living with. It's more than one person, that you know when it's somebody that is coming. Because they probably open the door in a specific kind of way. These are subtle things that you know or notice that get registered in your brain without knowing. And I know how everybody walks, the speed. Because human beings were creatures of what? Repetition and habit. And the Bible says that God doesn't change. So we got that itself from who? From God. So at first you may not be able to figure out that it's God that's speaking to you. But you don't have to remain in that level. You have to try. And you will make mistakes. But as long as you are surrounded by elders and you do what the Bible says, which it says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, the truth is established. So when you hear something or you think you've heard something, take it to someone that is more mature than you are and say, okay, this is what I was heard when I prayed, though. Please pray along with me. That's how you find direction. And before you know it, you find out that over time, you start to be able to recognize when it's just your mind that wants something, when it's just a wish that you have, whether you are being manipulated by the devil or God is really speaking. Because God will always prove that he's the one. And you wait for that proof. But till tomorrow, there are people that every step and decision they want to take in their life, they don't have the confidence to take it because they don't even know is God that is leading them. There are other people that they are even worse because they don't even wait for God to even lead them. They don't even think to themselves that God has an opinion about where they are going and what they are doing. And God does. And he's waiting for you to ask him. But you are not developing the relationship in that sense. You're not growing. And you have to use it. Don't be, don't be afraid to fail. Fail you. It's part of growing. There's song that I like so much, and it says, losing makes you grow, and growing makes you win. You can't just move from losing to winning. There's something in the middle. When you lose, you grow. And we have to what? We have to grow. Enough is enough. Because I'm kind of afraid of what is going to happen to Christianity when all these men die. Particularly in this country. You know, they are in their 80s, all the ones we respect. 80s, 70s. They're not going to be alive forever. I'm not saying I don't want them to go. I'm just giving you a statement of fact. And what happened in America can happen in Nigeria. It's true. Because what happened in America... All their founding fathers, the ones of the faith, before America became the America that it is today, that they are peddling all this nonsense ideology. America, a couple of years ago, decades ago, was not like this. Those things were bubbling on the, under the surface, but there were older men of God that were still alive. that were kind of keeping things in check. No matter what their mistakes or their flaws might have been, their presence and what God has used them for in the past still spoke for them. And kept the nation in check. And slowly all of them started to enter seventy, eighty, and one by one they started to go. And then we start looking at who replaced them. And I'm worried for my own time. Because what's saying was still young was saying, they will soon go. They will soon go. I'm not it's not a cause. They will soon go. I love the man so much, but he doesn't have much time left. I don't want to mention his name, but we know who I'm talking about. So, Baba, he doesn't have a lot of time left. He's an old man. So, what happens when he leaves? I'm not talking about who is going to take over the church, or that's not what I'm saying. am talking about pillars of the faith in this nation. Some have already gone. I don't think the devil is not waiting on the wings to change the orientation and ideology of men and women in this country. Because we're already shifting away from religion. Because we're becoming more and more like the West. Because of technology and digitization. And if us young Christians don't learn to stand on God's word for ourselves, we cannot defend these faiths. You can't defend what you haven't experienced. And if all we are doing is just going to church and coming back home, going to church and coming back home, and we've not experienced anything, One wind of persecution is just going to come, and that's the end. Small COVID. We're not like other nations where, literally, if you say you're a Christian, they're going to shoot you dead. Or if you open church, they're going to cancel your entire economic livelihood or status. There are countries like that. Nigeria is not like that. Small COVID. Small COVID. And there was lockdown. And some churches closed down until tomorrow they've not opened back. It's true. And some Christians till tomorrow, they've not gone back to church since COVID. They're attending online. They're not even persecuting you yet. What will happen tomorrow if they say, okay, all the churches must lock up? It's never happened in Nigeria in Jesus' name. But what will happen if it does? Is Christianity dead? Is it just the older people that will be going to church? Would the young people say, I'm so afraid? And of course, you'll be afraid. Because the opposite of faith is fear. And if you've not built up your faith, you will be afraid. You you cannot be in the middle. So please, this is what I came to say today. I was passed past this one. We used yesterday to teach and teach and teach. And this morning, we still recapped. I'm not here to teach you. I cannot pile on top of what you've already heard. You've heard too much. Probably don't even remember half of what you heard. But please, use what. You know, there are pastors in China that are 12 years old, 15 years old, small girls and small boys, pastoring people that are older than me. they don't know my Bible like you. Because access to this Bible is in bits and pieces. It has changed in recent times. But there are still some countries where they only have parts of the Bible. They've never held the full thing because of heavy persecution. But you see, they don't know Bible like you. They've not gone to Bible school. They've not done workers in training, school of the world, you know, all these things that everybody are doing now, and bachelor and this. They've not done it. You that have done it, the small that they know, they use this more than you. And God is moving among them. And they are pastoring elders and they are listening to them because when those children pray for the sick, those sick people get well. It's not because they have some special power. Because they took the word, they read it. Jesus said, What? If you pray for the sick, they will what? Recover. Okay. And they pray for the sick, and the sick will recover because it's not them that is doing it to Jesus. Those children are more mature than we are. They are already eating strong what? Meat. we still drinking milk. That's the fact. Also encumbered by religious activity. What is church? I, mean, I don't like wasting time. Before God rescued me and brought me back to him, I was the kind of person I'm like, okay, I need to know why I'm doing, what I'm doing. And one of the things that took me away from God was that I lost the plot. I thank God because he found me. He gave me the plot back. So when I'm in church, I'm not here to waste my time. I don't go to church because I don't have anything to do on Sunday. And you shouldn't go to church because of that either. Don't let like routine Replace relationship. I have a real relationship with God, so I know why I'm here. And God forbid I lose that relationship. If I lose that relationship, I'll stop coming. But so many people were stuck in routine. All my life I've been going to the church. It's just weird for me to sit at home on Sunday. Seriously, that's the only reason? Because it's weird? And you feel somehow? It's not enough for? means you're just going there to mark attendance and come back home doesn't work that way. What is the word doing for you? How have you taken it to use it? How many people have you prayed for this year? And something has happened. Can you say that you've done that even once? And someone had a need and you said, okay, let me pray with you. And you take it, you pray for the person, take it to God and pray. And the person came back and said, nothing we prayed about is what? That's worked. it's solved. Maybe people can actually say they've done that this year. You have to wake up. To wake up. Because that's the life you are called to live. If not, what's the point? Why are we here? That's my charge for you today. Hmm? God will help you, people. Help me, too. Please don't throw this word away. Jesus said that some people, they heard, he fell on rocky, I mean, by the wayside. And this is how the Word of God interacts with all our hearts every time we hear it. Your hearts can either be the wayside in which they don't understand what we're saying. And by the grace of God, I believe there's nobody here that like that. There are those that receive it with joy. That joy re- represents emotions. It can be joy. It can be conviction. It can be whatever you feel right now. You are challenged and whatever. Don't deceive yourself. Don't depend on whatever you are feeling from what I'm saying now. If you don't go back home and do something about it and actually sit down and say, okay, that's in that he said, let me go and actually look into it. How do I make this thing a part of my life? And consistently throughout this week, start to ask God and pray on this thing. You are like those that he fell on a rocky ground he developed somewhat Roots. He sprouted up a bit. But then, he had no what? He had no roots. So when the sun came, he dried up and he died. Those are those people. Those people who preach a message, they'll be so convicted in church, they'll be crying. But after the service, their emotions go back to normal. And throughout that week, they do nothing about it. They don't change. Don't be like that. Don't also be like those who he fell by the thorns, that the cares of this world and the pleasures of life took it away. Don't go home and let your office deliverables be the first thing you think about from this night, it's not even tomorrow morning. That is what your girl wants, that is already on your mind. And you put everything that we said on Sunday to decide. And on Sunday, Saturday night, you remember, ah, it's like we, maybe you don't remember until you come on Sunday and somebody reminds you. Those are the cares of this world. They are important, but they shouldn't take the place of the world. Don't let the pleasures of life, whatever you have to do, whatever way you plan to entertain yourself tomorrow as a public holiday, if you want to do that, whatever wedding or o'an-bear oh, you plan to go to on Saturday, if you are going, whatever birthday party you they are, they are organizing that you've been planning for, I'm just saying, don't let the pleasures of this world take this, rob you of this world. Pleasures may not even be general. Pleasures can be that Netflix show that just came out or that anime that just came out that you plan to binge because you love it. Don't let it take it away. For the work to produce fruits in our lives, it takes work. It takes what? It takes work, real work. Christianity is not a lazy man's religion. I mean, there's too much laziness in the body of Christ. It's real work. It's not a like it's not something that happens subconsciously. You have to actively say, "Okay, this thing, I want to know it, I want to do it." And if you don't make that determination, you'll never grow. Let's rise up. I want us to I don't have one job to do here today. It's a job to help kickstart something. It's not a job that can finish the work. What I said at the beginning is that you have to take responsibility for your own spiritual life. But there's also the place of God's power and God's anointing that can make the impossible possible and that can clear your path so that you will struggle less in a bid to kickstart and to grow. If you have any obstacles in your life that you are looking at and say, God, this thing, this thing is preventing me, this thing is stopping me, or this thing is slowing me down. That this word that I have heard today, Lord, I need your help so that I can practice what I have heard. If you belong in that category, please just come, let me pray for you. Hmm? Come and let me pray for you. That's my only assignment here. Once I finish, I will go. If everything we've said right now, number one, you have a willingness to practice it, but you need grace. God has sent me here to release grace. And if you belong to that category, I will pray for you and I will go. And what I would like you to do is just step forward. If you need the grace, please step forward. If you don't, you can stay on your seat. Sorry. If you need grace, please step forward. I'm not going to touch anyone. Amen. My Father, my God, I thank you for everyone that is standing before your presence today. Father, you said that your grace is sufficient for us and your strength is made perfect in our lives. Lord, there's nobody that does not have weaknesses. Lord, I want you to help these people to rely on your strength in Jesus' name so that they will grow, so that they will develop into Christians that are worthy of the name. Father, we say that Christianity has been watered down in this time, and it is true. We say that we don't have many that are truly standing for you anymore. We have so many that are chasing money, that are chasing fame, that are chasing personal ambition and have sacrificed your gospel on the altar of self. Father, I pray that the ones that are standing before me will not be in that category in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that these ones, you help them in the name of Jesus. Father, as I hold their hands and as I shake them, Father, I pray, Lord, that your grace will be made sufficient for them in Jesus' name. Amen. I give you praise. I give you glory. Thank you for your grace, Lord Jesus. 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 I worship you and I give you praise. In Jesus mighty name, we are afraid. Amen. God bless you all.